Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. Welcome to Belonging, a podcast that explores how to come home to yourself in the age of loneliness. I'm Becca Piastrelli, your host and guide on a journey of courageous reconnection. As we explore topics like ancestral wisdom, cultivating meaningful sisterhood, living with the seasons and cycles of the earth and your body, and what it means to be a good ancestor. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Belonging. It's Becca Piastrelli here. Thanks for listening. I just recorded six episodes to begin with, and then I was just going to see how they landed and how I felt doing them. Well, it turns out I love talking, big shocker here, and you like listening. Uh, And I did get some feedback that you'd like some longer episodes, but some people really liked short. I don't really know what I'm, maybe I'm going to do a little bit of both, but I'm going to try to go a little more in depth this week with my topic, which has to do with ancestors. And when I'm recording and publishing this is autumn. 2018 here in the Northern Hemisphere and um, kind of my favorite season, you too. I mean, it's not just pumpkin spice latte related. Actually, I don't even really drink those, but I just feel like it's a part of culture. So you've got to talk about them. But I think the greater excitement over the PSL has to do with the fact that energy after summer starts to wane now. And there's a relief that comes with that, right? We have permission to engage our more introspective sides. And after the peaking of summer's energy and the heat, uh, it feels really good. It feels really good to get cozy. The relief of the lowering of temperature, the shortening of the days. There's a craving, an ancestral body craving to go inward, to reflect, to harvest, to harvest all that we've put so much work into all year, uh, and to celebrate that harvest in community together, and then to put the garden to sleep, either actually or figuratively, and to go within. And it's also a time 
traditionally all over the world in many cultures, including my own people of the modern day British Isles and Ireland and old Europe. It's a time when the veils are thin and ancestors come to mind. And that really has to do with the fact that we can see the the dying part of the cycle happening in the plants around us. Think about the trees, withering leaves that turn these beautiful colors and then they finally fall. There, there is a death in that. And, and what I love about it is the fact that we know after death comes the sleeping and then the rebirth, winter and then spring. So seeing death in the natural world reminded our ancestors of their past ones, dead ones, their ancestors. It was a time of reverence. And uh, one of the cultures that's really held on throughout the rise of empire to this tradition is the Mexican tradition of Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. If you've seen Coco, you really get it. Because that movie, Pixar movie, really highlighted not just like, oh, the pretty sugar skulls and, you know, dancing around the gravestones of your fallen ancestors, um, fallen, that's a funny word, um, not always fallen, departed from their bodies, but that it's deeper in, in that keeping their memories alive is a part of our own vitality in our embodied aliveness on this planet. So in Celtic culture, which is one of my lineages, it's a time, the ancestor night is called Samhain, which it looks like Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. And um, it's a wild night and I can go into more detail. I actually do on my blog where I talk about the origins of jack-o'-lanterns and wearing masks and really the origin of trick-or-treating uh, for Halloween. And a lot of that comes from many different cultural traditions around this dying season of honoring those on the other side of the veil in the other world, the good folk, the fairies, the goblins, the ghosts, the ancestors. So I want to talk about that and all these aspects of ancestral connection that I do in my work and with my clients and in my own life around this autumn season. So the next few episodes, I'll be talking about that. Coming back to this concept of loneliness and belonging, that is really a passion of mine and something I'm constantly navigating and working to heal. I've noticed we have an obsession with time in this culture, and I'm raising my hand with being obsessed with time and seeing it as linear. And that's because this whole world we operate in, you know, of like calendars and clocking in, clocking out, capitalism, everything, aging, operates on a linear time scale. And what that does is it creates an anxiety. It creates a narrowing of our vision into a place where we're counting the days. We fear death. We aren't embracing the spiralic cyclical nature of being alive in this sentient world where we are just one of many beings. So I'm going to talk about time today in relation to ancestors, the people we are descended from who are no longer embodied in their bodies alive anymore. 
And this all came from, I did a live virtual gathering because I hate the word webinar and it's not really that. It's virtually gathering with women all over the world. And we we were talking about living with the seasons, finding flow and really embracing our cyclical nature in community, in sisterhood. And I talked about envisioning and feeling all your ancestors. I tend to connect to the ones who identify as women behind you, always standing behind you as a reminder that you are never alone and you are always supported by the ancestors who come in a good way, standing behind you for generations and generations and generations and generations. And how that is a reminder of our resilience and a comfort to us when we feel lonely. And one of the women in the circle on the call said, what do you mean by that? When you say your ancestors are standing behind you, what do you mean? And I really appreciated that question because it's like when you're in the work for so long, you sometimes get a little lazy with your language. I think that happens to me. I'm so in this world of ancestry and like I follow people who talk about like the plant world and the ancestor world and personal growth. And so I sort of start using shorthand vocabulary and I get a little lazy with my language. And I think what that does is it misses an opportunity to really paint the picture for people who may not be in the same bubble because no one really is. Uh, and words are so important. I mean, they're the origin of, of spells, your words having meaning and intention behind them that they have impact. So I really appreciated that question. And I really encourage you, if you ever hear me say something, whether it's on social media or in a blog or an email or on this podcast, and you would love clarification, you are not probably not the only one, right? We have this thing in culture where we're like, oh, I should probably know. So I'm going to pretend that I know. If you don't know, someone else probably doesn't know because what is said for one may be said for all. So just hit me up, let me know. And I can find a way, whether it's a podcast episode or an email or a blog post or a social post to clarify my language because I really want to be understandable, digestible. And I this work is all for all of us. And um, I don't want to create some sort of gate between me and you with where I know and you don't because of language. So we're going to talk about this concept of ancestors standing behind you. And it's, it's like a goosebump worthy thing for me. It, it, I say the words, your ancestors are standing behind you. And I just feel the power of that concept. It's simultaneously um, mystifying and comforting and, um, a journey that awaits me, that awaits all of us. So when I was using that, when I was really invoking that idea on the call, I was talking about this idea of resilience, that we are meant to be here. We are alive in a time. We're alive in this time because our ancestors somehow survived. Think about that. Through war, through famine, through immigration, through oppression, through all of these things. They survived, not always by what we might call good ways. Many of us have ancestors who were oppressive, violent people, but many of us have ancestors who were kind and generous as well. But however they did it, they survived and kept the line going so that you are here in your body, your heart is pumping, 
your lungs are processing oxygen and you are alive. And we are in a time where there is struggle. There has been struggle for many, many generations. And um, we're here, I believe, to be a part of the solution and not to be a part of the destruction. And so when I talk about this suffering we experience, this hopelessness we experience, whether it's with politics or with our own circumstances, mental health, traumas, whatever it is, I like to invoke this idea that the ancestors survived and they're standing behind you so that you are alive today. It's proof of your resilience and deservingness, if that's a word, to heal, to heal all that was passed down to you or you experience traumas, things that may not feel like yours or have were given to you in this lifetime. If you've experienced anything that has given you a level of dimming your light, that you deserve to heal it in this time and your ancestors didn't survive for nothing. And to go a level deeper on your ancestors surviving, I'm going to get a little sciencey, but I'm no scientist, so bear with me. Your ancestors' DNA is in your DNA, literally in the blood that flows through your veins, in the marrow in your bones, in the cells of your heart and your lungs, is the same DNA as every ancestor that came before you. And I honor whatever comes up for you when I say that. Maybe some ancestors you're like, I wish their DNA wasn't in mine. But there's an opportunity for healing and knowing that. But there's also some really beautiful parts of that. And I bring you to exhibit A, mitochondrial DNA. You may remember mitochondria and mitochondrial DNA from school. You may not. But here's, here's something to know. Mitochondria helps your cells breathe delivers oxygen to your cells. And it has a little marker in it, in your mtDNA, that is called your maternal haplogroup. And what this means is through the magic and hard work of mapping the human genome, we are now able to trace back through our mitochondrial DNA, our original clan mother of our maternal haplogroup trace it back to the, what, if you would work in the Christian framework, is the original Eve, the mitochondrial Eve. I don't love using that framework, but I do love the original clan mother. And I wrote about this a few years back, which I'll include a link to in the show notes. There's a book by Brian Sykes. For those of you who identify with European DNA, Brian Sykes wrote a book called The Seven Daughters of Eve, and he mapped people with majority European ancestry, back to seven original women who, and and where in Europe they lived. So I'm maternal haplogroup H. He names her Helena, and she lived in origins uh, in southern France back when the ice age, the there was an ice sheet over most of Europe. So that was like the northernmost area of Europe at that time, 40,000 years ago. And he even sort of creates stories in the book, like she probably hunted reindeer. And I sort of like the stories, although I like to create my own too, because I don't really need a man telling me that stuff. But 
He's done some interesting work. So if you're interested, I I recommend Seven Daughters of Eve. I also recognize the immense privilege in being uh, descended from European folks in that there is so much more information available for European descended folks than there are for others. However, there is information out there for you if you are Japanese descended or African descended or Native American descended. You too have a maternal haplogroup. You too have an original clan mother. And the way I found out my maternal haplogroup was I did a spit test. I chose 23andMe. There's so many now you can choose from. And I made sure that I was able to get that information and look it up. So that's literally, think about, so 40,000 years. So my my ancestry is 40,000 years old. My original mother is 40,000 years old. I don't know if I'm settled on her being Helena, but I do love thinking about every single woman standing behind me back to her in her cave wearing like reindeer pelts. It just feels really powerful in this time when I can feel alone and confused and overwhelmed and anxious and being alive now is intense, but they all came before me. So now I want to talk about time because I just presented this idea of clan mother going back 40,000 years. I was referencing linear time, right? That is a construct in which we live and have accepted linear time. But I think to connect with ancestors is to surrender a bit from our hold on linear time and to embrace ancestral time or what is also known as whole time consciousness, which I learned um, from Apelo, Colorado through her project, which I can't remember the name of. We'll link it below. I think it's through indigenous science. In any case, ancestral time is kind of a mind F when you first think about it. And so I'm inviting you to go on this journey with me and take what I'm saying into your dreams and into your subconscious, into your meditations, into your walks, and really allow for the opening of this knowledge to emerge from you because it is our ancestors used to live in this idea of whole time. So there's Western time, which is linear, a straight line. Time is moving in a straight line. And then there's whole time or ancestral time, which is spiralic or cyclical. And the best way I can invite you in to an understanding of the time is to look at the way the seasons work is to look at the way if you bleed your moon cycle works is to look at the way the moon and the tides work is to watch a seed become a plant, a flower, a fruit, a seed again, and start over the natural world, the world from which we come from that we are a part of is cyclical and spiralic. I'm going to link to another article by Amber Magnolia Hill of Mythic Medicine uh, and Medicine Stories podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts, where she talks a bit more about this concept. And she talks about many indigenous cultures have no past tense in their language, in their consciousness. There's literally 
no words for the past. Everything is happening in the historical now. Yesterday is still happening today, and everything is ever happening. Whoa, right? So an example of this is many years ago, my great-grandmother Philomena Schleicher is arriving from Poland to New Orleans at six years old. Many years ago, my grandfather has his first drink of alcohol, which will be the beginning of a lifelong addiction. At the same time, many years ago, his ancestors are taking their first drink of alcohol, which will become an addiction that is passing down to their descendants. See what I mean? Uh, I believe Amber Magnolia Hill refers to Lakota tribal tradition, but it is known to be true in many preserved indigenous languages that we know. So I think that's just like really powerful that the realm of the ancestors is timeless and that we ourselves are timeless, not in body, but in existence, in being. There's this quote Amber has from James Hillman that says, to be an ancestor, you do not need to be dead but you do need to know the dead. That is the invisible world and how and where it touches the living. And I think we live in a culture that really wants the past to be over, right? The past is in the past. I can't tell you how many people tell me this. Becca, I know you love history and it's so fun and cool. And I love Downton Abbey too, but the past is in the past, especially when I talk about like white privilege and colonizer mindset and all that stuff. It's like, ugh. Those men are dead now. But also that mindset really dismisses the interior world of dream and myth and folklore and creativity. It, it makes it irrelevant. It makes a child's mind just like undeveloped as opposed to super tuned in to another way of being conscious. That's why I love working with Autumn and this whole concept of the thin veils because I think even someone who's like, whoa, this is super woo, Becca, can tune into the magic of that time of year. The seasons are showing us that there is another side. We really love Halloween here. You know, it just, to me, it feels like a time of year we can really find a comfort with embracing death as another side of things and that ancestors who have left a body can still be with us and can be honored. And, and that I don't always mean like in ghost form, although that can be true for people um, or spirit form or angel form. I'm not here to give you the language that feels right for you, but there, for me, it's really an honoring that they were in body and they did things. And here I am now. And that we are all spiraling in whole time. And when you repress those ideas, you repress the very nature of being alive in this time as a cyclical being, particularly a woman or female identified being, one who through the systems of misogyny and patriarchy are told your non-linear cyclical nature is a threat. It's like, whoa, dude, (laughs) that's literally the way of all things. 
it's kind of mind-blowing. Think about it. The rejection of body, the rejection of emotion, of hormonal shifts is like a rejection of the moon and the sky and the tides and the ocean. And a rejection of the past is the same thing. And so, yes, we live in a culture where linear time is embraced. However, I really invite us, including myself, to the best way to release linear time's hold on you, honestly, is to embrace a slowing down. Even like when eating, raising the fork to your mouth a little slower, not responding to a text or email immediately. Really calming that uh, urge for urgency and remembering that you are a timeless cyclical being. Whether you have a spiritual practice or not, whether you feel connected with your ancestors or not, this is a good starting point because the fact of the matter is it's in your blood and your DNA and your bones that all are existing, all are here. And when you feel that either internal or external rejection of your own cyclical nature, don't really think about that. Really think about what it is that's suppressing on a deeper macro level. Really, if you think about it, ancestor work, ancestor reverence, ancestor worship, ancestor connection, genealogy is a radical act. And it's brought so much comfort to me, not just in um, small ways, which are still very important, like feelings of loneliness and feelings of being, you know, different than my family, but also in major ways in my own acts of resistance and my own, you know, those moments where you're like, well, maybe I should just try to be like everything else that is accepted in popular culture, even though I felt like shit when I did it. And then to be, to zoom out and be like, you know, in the grand scheme of, of history, of the people who have been alive on this planet, of the beings that have been alive on this planet, these trees that that I'm near, these redwood trees, redwood trees were around when the dinosaurs were around, and they're still here. To really reject those, those principles of oppression by embracing the cyclical, spiralic nature of ancestral time. So I'd love to know what you think of this feels kind of this is some really cool stuff I really like to nerd out on so you can always leave me a comment on the website where we have the show notes which is belongingpodcast.com or hit me up on instagram at Rebecca Piastrelli uh, and yeah I'd, I'd love to know how this lands for you what your experiences of time have been when you get into this concept that linear time doesn't need to be the only way you can sort of play with bending time that experience of having time feel like it's rushing away from you and time feels like it's super expansive i'd love to know your feelings on it all and what maternal haplo group are you i know that uh in the creative sisterhood and other groups like gather that i facilitate when people find out the maternal haplo groups they like to be like i'm maternal haplo group t or x or um, we all sort of celebrate like your your first grandmother. So I'd love to celebrate your first grandmother as well. All right, thank you for joining me, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is sacred, and I hope this episode infused some inspiration and meaning into your day. 
For show notes, links, and references from this episode, you can go to belongingpodcast.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to Belonging on Apple Podcasts, and if you have a moment, leave a review. This helps my little podcast reach more listeners, and I would be ever so grateful.